Hey, well, this is our series that we have been in for several months. It's the longest series that we've ever done here at City Life. I hope you have enjoyed it as much as I have. We've just been chipping away at each part each week, and by the time we get to the end, I think we're going to be done by the last weekend in August. We're going to finish it up. Let's throw the next slide up. And red is the ground that, we're st- we, that we still have to cover. And, uh, and tonight we're going to do Romans 10, 9 through 14, right there to the right of humankind, over the arrow, and then the hear, believe, and confess. That's going to be the chunk that we do uh, over the last couple of weeks. Uh, new heart and, uh, and forgiveness. Pastor uh, David did forgiveness last weekend, two weekends ago. Uh, I, I, don't, I might have that in the backwards order, but uh, a new heart was the one that Pastor Justin did. And so um, each week we're just, we're chipping away, but we're, we're in the home stretch. And then the capstone is, I'm just going to do an overview of all of it. This idea is, this is the story of the gospel in the Bible. And, and we've, we've been investing so much time in it because we want you to understand the story of the gospel for, for your own sake, but also so that you're familiar with it so you can begin to talk to others about it. So we are in the home stretch. Tonight, for looking at these verses in Romans chapter 10, I, I want to give you a word, in this, and the word is called tethered. It might be a word that you're not especially familiar with, but I think it's a concept that you are especially familiar with. There's going to be some pictures that pop up in a minute. It might be that as you see them, you're going to go, oh, I never, I never realized that's what being tethered was. Now, if you are a fan of Westerns, I'm a fan of Westerns. I love some Westerns in, in cinema. The, the, the first slide that's going to pop up, you, you'll, you'll see that when a horse is tied to that post, it's called its being tethered. Yes, thank you, Jamal. You tether a horse, right, when you're riding up to the saloon, or if you don't want to think of yourself riding up to the saloon, if you want to be dishonest about where you would be in that story, I'm just, I'm going to the dry goods store, right, you would tether your horse to the post because you didn't want your horse to get away. The idea of being tethered oftentimes means to restrict something's movement. Let's look at the next one. How about astronauts when they're on a spacewalk? They tether themselves to whatever they're stepping outside of, right, to limit their movement so that they're not going to drift away into space. They are tethered either to the shuttle or the side, whatever they're a part of. Nathaniel Miller's not here to help me with my space vocabulary. Tethered, tethered. How about this one? That dog, right? That's a pretty cool dog right there on the surfboard. But if you look back onto the surfer's ankle, you find that there's the strap that they're selling on Amazon. But it's a surfboard tether. It's so that when you fall, it restricts how far your surfboard can go to get away from you. So you can retrieve it. So you're tethered to, right? Your vocabulary is just growing by the moment here. Tethered. How about this next one? Mountain climbers, alpinists, as it's often referred to, is that when they're traipsing through, if someone falls, the idea is that, that we're going to be able to save them, that they're not going to fall into some, type, some crevasse, right? Those, the the, 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 the um, snow covering that little canyon that you can't see, that they're, they're tethered together to restrict each other's movement. This is my favorite, I think, the next one. The timing is great because someone's name just came up for the nursery there. 
whoever child four V3 is. Here we go. This is perfect timing. Yes, you are tethered to, right? This is great. The timing of that was awesome, right? How about this? The, the ubiquitous at any amusement park, the child leash, right? Tethered. You, you now you really understand it if you have children. I want to limit how far my child can get away from me for their protection and for their safety. But there is another aspect to the definition of being tethered that I want to talk to you about tonight. I'm all in on this illustration. As you know, we're big boaters in our family. That's one of the ways that we rest. It's one of the ways we relax. It's one of the ways that we spend time as a family together with our teenagers, young adults now, all in college. And so I brought some of our, our instruments of pleasure, instruments of torture sometimes, especially this one in the middle. The, the goal of this is to get you off of it, not to keep you on it. And, uh, but I did bring my, my own personal life jacket. I call this the involuntary halter top, right? Because you might notice it looks as though it's missing the bottom, right? Not, not because I look especially good in this. It's because as you get older, you need a life jacket to stop a little short because you become a little bit more rotund. You with me? From wearing pants that have an elastic waistband and you don't realize how much you're eating. So that's my, just thought I'd throw that in. That's my, my personal life jacket. But, but each of these devices, let's start with this one over here, which is called a kneeboard. This is what we call the old man's, old person's wakeboard. When you can't do those, you do this, right? You can ride on your knees. But if you're not holding on to one of these, this is just a glorified flotation device. You with me? If you're not holding on to this when you're on the surfboard, on this one, the rope actually attaches here, so this holds on to it for you. But if you're on the wakeboard or the slalom ski, you've got to have something in your hand. You can look great. You can have all of the right style and all the form and all the training and all the youthful exuberance and strength, but if you're not holding on to one of these, you're just floating in the river, right? You're just floating in the river waiting for someone to pick you up because none of these have the ability to generate momentum on their own. None of, none of these have the power to generate momentum on their own. In fact, if you are on any of these and you're not connected to a boat, you are a victim to the current, to wherever that current's going to take you, to wherever the wind's going to blow you, if you're not holding on to one of these. If you're not tethered like this young lady is tethered to the boat, then nothing about these are going to be able to fulfill the purpose for which they were designed. See, this kind of tethered isn't designed to restrict you. This kind of being tethered is to direct you. Is that I grab a hold of this because I recognize and I understand that I need something beyond myself to direct me in this moment in life. And I think when the Holy Spirit inspired the Apostle Paul to write these words that we're going to read in just a few minutes, that's called the 10th chapter of Romans, verses 9 through 14, even though it doesn't talk about the idea of being tethered, I, I think that concept was stirring in Paul's heart. I think he was saying to you and to me 
that there is something that happens in our lives when we choose to be tethered to Jesus, when I make a conscious decision that I want to live my life in his wake. Let's read these verses together. Romans 10, 9 through 14. It says, Because if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, we're going to talk about that in just a minute, the idea of believing in your heart, not believing with your mind. Believing in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes and is justified, and with the mouth one confesses and is saved. For the scripture says, everyone who believes in him will not be put to shame. For there is no distinction between Jew or Greek, for the same Lord is Lord of all, bestowing his riches on all who call on him. Listen to verse 13. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. How then can they call on whom they have not believed, and how are they to believe in him who they have not heard? And how are they to hear unless someone tells them? There are three important words in here, the hearing and the believing and the confessing, and all that leads to a tethering. It leads to a moment in your life where you choose to attach your life to the life of Jesus all the rest of your days. I think Paul, when he's writing this, he's reflecting on this idea that there are many things that we attach our lives to in this journey. There's many things that we attach our lives to, and some of them are good things. Some of them are great things, and some of them are important things. Some of them are things that we're supposed to be attached to for the rest of our lives. But the question still remains, are you attached ultimately to the thing that matters the most? Are you attached to the one that matters the most? And that's asking the question, Are you tethered to him? I want to throw up these questions for you to think about as we dig into a story in a minute, the story of Zacchaeus, that I think illustrates a moment in time where somebody experiences what we read in Romans chapter 10. But I want to throw these questions up because I think there's going to be important for you to reflect on this, not just tonight, but even maybe throughout the week. And and the first one is, are are we living in a society where Christianity is recreational? Meaning that this is recreation, right? I don't commute to work like this. I I don't come here by way of the James River. Somebody pulling me down and I dock up there somewhere down the street, right? This is recreation for us. We, we, We do it. We enjoy it. It's a part of vacation. It's part of our weekends in the summer. But at some point, all of this has to get put away. At some point, the boat goes under the cover, and then I go do other things. Is that how we treat our Christianity? Is Christianity something that I'm involved in on Saturday? Or people that don't have a Saturday revelation yet and get up early on Sunday? Right? Is Christianity something that I do? Like, this is part of what is important Like for kids at youth camp. It's, it's, it's a time for kids to get away to realize that Christianity isn't supposed to be something that's recreational for me. It's supposed to be life-defining for me. Is my life with Jesus something that I pick up and put down? Right? Am I picking it up on my way to church on Saturday? Am I, am I picking it up because I, I've, it's my turn to volunteer in the nursery? But, but tonight, when everybody else goes to bed and you're alone with your computer, are you putting it back down? 
You with me? Sometimes with our life with Jesus, we're putting it down because we want to tether our lives to something else that we're not supposed to. I, I find that in life, if you're focused with this idea of holding on to Jesus and not letting go, you tend to not pick up things you're not supposed to have in your hands. Do I view Jesus as restricting or directing? See, which kind of idea of tethering do you have when you attach it to Jesus? Or, or, when you think about Jesus, are you thinking that he's someone that doesn't let me go to the places where I want to go? Or do you view Jesus as directing in the sense that I trust my whole life to him, my whole future? I don't want to go anywhere else except where he's going. I want to be tethered to him because I believe he always has my best interest at heart. I want to be tethered to him because I know that any place that he's not going to lead me, I don't want to go to, and I don't want to miss out on all the things that he does have for me. Do you see Jesus as restricting or do you see him as directing? This incredible story of Zacchaeus in Luke 19, if you've got your Bible, you can turn there. or If you've got a device, you can swipe there. The story of Zacchaeus is an incredible story of the Bible that is a living illustration of what Paul describes in Romans chapter 10. We're going to see that he heard something about Jesus that began to inspire belief in him, that he ultimately confesses. And then, as we're going to see at the end of the story, by the way Jesus describes him, that he becomes a person whose life is tethered to Christ. And he makes a decision to live in his wake. Luke 19, 1 to 10, reads this way. I'm reading out the New Living Translation. It says, Jesus entered Jericho and made his way through the town. There was a man there named Zacchaeus. He was the chief tax collector in the whole region. And he became very rich. He tried to get a look at Jesus, but he was too short to see over the crowd. So he ran ahead and climbed a sycamore fig tree beside the road for Jesus was going to pass that way. Verse 5 says, when Jesus came by, he looked up at Zacchaeus and called him by name Zacchaeus. He said, quick, come down. I must be a guest in your home today. And Zacchaeus quickly climbed down and took Jesus to his house in great excitement and joy. But the people were displeased. He has gone to be the guest of a notorious sinner, they grumbled. Meanwhile, Zacchaeus stood before the Lord and said, I will give half my wealth to the poor, Lord. And if I have cheated people on their taxes, I will give them back four times as much. And Jesus responded, salvation has come to this home today. Come on. For this man has shown himself to be a true son of Abraham. For the son of man came to seek and to save those who were lost. Zacchaeus was someone who had heard about Jesus. Remember in those verses in Romans 10, 9 through 14, Paul says, how can someone make any type of confession, believe anything about Jesus, unless someone tells them, unless they hear? 
Zacchaeus was someone who had heard about who Jesus was. When we put this story in the timeline of the life of Jesus, what we find, this is at the end of Jesus' life. He's been ministering publicly for three years. All the stories that you've read, all the stories that you've heard about, all the miracles that he's performed, he's done all of that. And the reason why he's passing through Jericho is because that's the route that he would have taken on his way to Jerusalem to die for the sins of the world. This is actually one of the last interactions that Jesus has with someone before he dies for us. Zacchaeus had heard about who Jesus is. He had heard stories, and then he heard that he was coming to his town. Jesus was easy to find in Jericho on that day. He was easy to find in Jericho on that day. Can we just agree together? Sometimes it's our responsibility to bring the sycamore tree to the person. Sometimes it's our responsibility to bring the sycamore tree to people. Sometimes it's our responsibility through our witness, through our example, through our life by way of our attitudes and our action is to be the sycamore tree for people that elevates who Jesus is. Vanessa referred to it earlier, our our dream here at City Life, a new dream that we shared with you at the anniversary service back in January is for Jesus to be easy to find in the 757. We're all in for this dream. We want Jesus to be easily found in our city. Sometimes that means that you've got to be the sycamore tree where you are in your neighborhood. You've got to be the sycamore tree for people in your workplace. We're going to be a sycamore tree in the Aqueducts at-risk community next Saturday building beds. Are we building beds because we care about those kids? Absolutely we are. But another reason why we're doing it is because we want to be a witness for Christ there in that place and in that community. What kind of sycamore tree are you going to be? Are you going to be the tree that obscures? Are your attitudes and your actions in your neighborhood and in your workplace and in your family When you're in the community, are you the kind of tree that through your behavior you're obstructing the view of Christ? Or are you the kind of tree that points people to Jesus, the kind of Jesus that they need to know? When you and I are standing in heaven, and I hope you are because you've made a vow of devotion to Christ, are people who knew you here, are they going to say, huh, I wonder what they're doing here. Are they going to find you in that crowd and come over to you? We were at base camp this morning and someone was sharing a story about a person that they've never met, but they know their name because that person was instrumental in being a witness for Christ for this young man who eventually became a pastor and then that pastor was instrumental in saving this couple's marriage. So I know their name, but I've never met them, but I can't wait to find them in heaven and tell them what a difference they made. Are people going to look for you in heaven? And say to you, you were a sycamore tree to me. I didn't know who Jesus was, but because of your attitudes, because of your actions, because of the way that you lived your life, because of the way that you didn't live your life, you made Jesus easier to find for me. I hope you come with us to the aqueducts next weekend. For some of you, you have never in your life stepped foot in an at-risk community. You should this coming weekend. Take some chances. Be a risk taker. Who knows? You might have to dismantle someone's roof and lower someone down in front of a prayer meeting. Just saying. We, we see here that Zacchaeus heard. 
right? He heard about Jesus. There was, and in hearing, there was some curiosity that began to stir in him in a profound way where he was like, I need to go see for myself. And what we find is, we get to verse 5, listen to this. It says, when Jesus came by, he looked up at Zacchaeus and called him. My name is Zacchaeus. He said, quick, come down. I must be a guest in your home today. Zacchaeus quickly climbed down and he took Jesus to his house in great excitement and joy, but the people were displeased. He's gone to be with the guest of a notorious sinner, they grumbled. Here we see Zacchaeus is beginning to believe in who Jesus is. He hears but now he's beginning to believe. I was thinking about this point in the message this week as I was writing it, and I penned these words. If someone were to ask me, who, who, who do you believe that Jesus is? And I wrote, he's God's son, sent into this world to die for our sins. And because of his forgiveness, I can become a part of God's family. Claire's planning on going on her first mission trip to Africa in, in January. This is my mug right here. Come on. Effective Ministries, Link, our partner, group we're partnering with in Niger. And uh, her passport came in the mail the other day. She's so excited. Passport came in the mail, and she was looking, thumbing through her passport, and she'd never had a passport before. And she said, what are all these pages for in here? It looks like a little book that no one's written on it, Right. So great. And I said, those are the pages where they're going to put a stamp in there, right? When, when you arrive in that country, they're, 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 they're going to check to make sure that you have permission to be there. There's a visa, right, that you've applied for that gives you access to this country. But this passport, they're going to put a stamp on this page so that when you're in country, if you were to be stopped or you were to be checked, they want to see that you're there legally, that there is a stamp on your page that says it's okay for you to be here. Do, do you have a stamp on the passport of your heart that says that you are a citizen of the kingdom of heaven? Because that's what Jesus does for you and for me. The Bible talks about this idea of the, the Lamb's book of life, right? Is that when we breathe our last and, 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 we, and we show up there, that there's this idea that they're checking the register. You can think of it as they're checking your spiritual passport. Was there a moment in time in this life where you made a vow of devotion to Christ? Because when you do, there's a stamp. There's your part of the kingdom. You're a citizen who has access says, and as a child of God, I look to Jesus to be my example in how I should live. He's the author of all truth and leads me to my God-given destiny. And when he rose from the dead, he began the work of preparing heaven for all of us who have put our faith in him. You and I are eternal, immortal beings created by God to live and rule and reign with him for all eternity which is only possible through Jesus. That picture that popped up on the screen that this, this, this series has been all about, right? Humankind's on one side of the chasm, God's on the other. Every person, we're born to this world. Our deepest desire, our greatest need is to know God and to be known by him. And the only way that's ever gonna happen is if you tether your life to Jesus. Some of you need to just think of that picture and picture yourself doing this perfect backflip on a wakeboard right across the chasm, chasm into the kingdom of heaven, come on. 
because you're not ever going to really be able to do it in this life if you're old like me. This picture of Zacchaeus bringing Jesus into his home, this is an historical account. It's happened, but it's also a prophetic picture. It's given to us because we're supposed to see our lives as the home. At some point, you have to decide, are you going to let Jesus go from the outside into the inside? Or are you going to accept his invitation to come and take up residence in your life? This picture of Zacchaeus being excited. Jesus saying, I'm supposed to be in your home today. He says that to each of us. He says, I'm supposed to be in, the, in your home, in you, in your person. Not just for a visit. Not just passing through. But I want to live there. And be an example to you throughout all the days of your life. Don't you love that Zacchaeus is excited about Jesus coming to his house are you excited about your life being tethered to Jesus? Are you holding on to this thing and thinking to yourself, this is going to be awesome? Right? Do you have the same expression on your face as if you're behind the boat and you're going to be able to go for an incredible ride? The thought of in your head, the expression on your face. Maybe some of you are thinking, oh, it might be a little bit more like fear. But pretend like you're someone else for a moment. <laughs> and, 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 the, and the boat's getting ready to come up, right, on the wake, and you're thinking to myself, this is going to be incredible. Is that what you're thinking about when you're thinking about your life being tethered to Jesus? Or are you more like the kid whose parents just told him it's bedtime? Right? Are, are, are you... Are you more like the person in the workplace that maybe your performance appraisal didn't go especially like it was supposed to and maybe for all the wrong reasons? Right? There's times in this life where you feel disappointment. There's times in this life where you do things begrudgingly. None of that is supposed to be the feeling that we have when our lives are tethered to Christ. Our life is supposed to be like, like Zacchaeus' life. Zacchaeus is excited that Jesus has showed up? Are you excited about what you believe about Jesus? And just as it was with some of Zacchaeus's friends, it's going to be true for us. There, there aren't going to be people that are happy about your devotion to Christ. There, there's, there are some friendships sometimes that get displaced because oftentimes with those friends, maybe you were picking things up that you should have been putting down a long time ago. Part, that's part of the journey. Sometimes Jesus takes us in directions that other people don't want to go with us on. And what I would say to you is trust Jesus with your life and also trust the relationships that he has waiting for you in your tomorrow. Zacchaeus heard. Zacchaeus believed. I love how in Romans 10 it talks about believe with your heart. We, we don't, in this Western culture, right, we're, we're, we're so given to intellectualism, and there's a time and a place for that. Jesus actually said, love the Lord, you're right, with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Loving God with your mind's part of it. But for most people, falling in love with Jesus and tethering your life to him doesn't start with reason, it starts with faith. There's a believing in the heart that comes first. And for all of us at some point in our life, when we begin to hear about who Jesus is, something stirs in our heart. We want it to be true. 
And the more we listen and the more we hear, the more we wrestle with that belief, you will find that there is a confession that begins to rise up inside of you. That there's a, there's a promise that wants to come out of your mouth. There's this desire to attach your life to Jesus because something inside of you says, I want to go where he's going. I want to do what he's doing. I want to be who he is. Look at verse 8. It says, Meanwhile, Zacchaeus stood before the Lord and said, I will give half my wealth to the poor, Lord. And if I have cheated people on their taxes, which is really him saying, I've cheated a lot of people in their taxes. Right, this is a confession here, is, is that I will give them back four times as much. I love this confession. Because it's a confession with action. So many times people make proclamations about whether or not they're going to walk with Jesus, but does that proclamation ever have an expression of action that is attached to it? I love that in this story, the kind of confession that is recorded for us is not an empty promise that Zacchaeus makes. It's the kind of fruit and change that we expect to see that comes after a confession that is made. I love that the story jumps right to the action. If my verbal confession does not lead to life alteration, then I have I really experienced true salvation. I think only God knows, right, whether or not a heart is sincere. But I'm often drawn to John the Baptist's words in Matthew 3, 8 that says, produce fruit in keeping with repentance. Does my confession have an expression? Do, do I find myself in my journey as I look back over the story of my life, if I've heard, if I've believed, if I've confessed some belief in who Jesus is, if I've made a vow of devotion to him, if I've chosen to tether my life to him, I want him to direct me all of my days, has there been life changed for you? Have your attitudes and actions begun to change because your life is tethered to Christ? I love that in the final verses of this story, Jesus makes some pretty incredible statements about Zacchaeus. Because what he's telling us is that this man has chosen to tether his life to me. Listen to verses 9 and 10. It says, Jesus responded, salvation has come to this home today. Now you might say, well, maybe he was talking about himself. And that might be a fair question if that's where the verse stops. But the verse doesn't stop there. Jesus doesn't continue on talking about himself. He continues on by talking about Zacchaeus. Salvation has come to this home today for this man, speaking of Zacchaeus, has shown himself to be a true son of Abraham. For the son of man came to seek and to save those who are lost. What does that mean? In Jesus' day, that meant something important. Because everybody in Jesus' day that was a Jewish person, they, they believed that they were born into this world as a child of God because they were ethnically and culturally descendants of Abraham. And what Jesus is saying is because this man has heard, because this man has believed, now because this man has made a confession of faith to me, he's a true son of Abraham. Meaning that he's no longer just culturally religious, he's been born into the family of God. 
the observation of Jesus about Zacchaeus is there has been a positional shift. And then to make sure that we don't miss it, he says, I've come to seek and to save the lost. We were joking this morning too at base camp. Guys, if you're a part of this church, if you're not part of this church, you should come and check out base camp. Whatever this Saturday is, I can't keep it all straight anymore. This Saturday every month, we're over here in the chapel at 8 o'clock. Fourth Saturday, thank you, Cam. Fourth Saturday every month, you come. We were joking this morning about all the language that we use in church that's unique to us, but people coming in from the outside are thinking, what does that even mean? Like even this idea of being lost. We, we talk about this a lot, don't we? I, I don't wonder sometimes if people are in here, they're going, what, I'm not lost. I know where I am. People know where I am. I'm going to probably get in trouble for this, but that's okay. This is how I live my life. I got a call this week from Vanessa and Claire. They were out in Virginia Beach on Thursday. And, uh, and, and, and they said, we, 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 we just saw the message on the sign that the tunnel is backed up and, and, and it's at a standstill. It's closed and we're not going to get home for another two hours. What should we do? It's like, you should swim. You should swim. No. I said, well, you should, you should go around. You should reroute. You, you, can, if you, you can go through Norfolk, and then from Norfolk, you can take 264 back over 664, and then, and then home from that way. You can go across the James River Bridge. If, you, right, if you're from here, you've got to learn how to navigate. I said, pull up on the map to see if the monitor Merrimack is backed up. And I heard Vanessa, because I was talking to Claire, because Vanessa was driving. We're law-abiding citizens most of the time. And, uh, and, 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 and I hear Vanessa say in the background, I don't know how to do that. And there's this long pause of silence. And I'm saying to myself, be kind, be kind, be patient. Right? And then all of a sudden, Claire goes, I know how to do that. And she pulls it up on the GPS, right, expands it out. And you can see, right, is it red? And, and she, so the monitor Merrimack is, is, is open. And they go, oh, how do we get there? And I said, well, you need to pick a landmark you're not going there, but pick a landmark that's on the way to tell how your GPS can get you there, right? So I said, pick the CHKD, the hospital in Norfolk, and, and, and once you get there, pick something in Carrollton, like Laura Nawani's address, right? You're just hopscotching from landmarks, and I hear Vanessa say, well, when we get to the hospital, what are we supposed to do? And I know you're not going to the hospital, right? Just be kind, be patient, right? You're just using it as a landmark to get you moving in the right direction. Right? And so, of course, they did all of that and they made, made it flawlessly, flawlessly navigated. Lord have mercy. They were never lost. They knew where they were. People knew where they were. This idea when the Bible talks about being lost doesn't mean that you don't know where you are. It means that you're just not where you're supposed to be. When the Bible uses this term loss, it means that you're just not where you're supposed to be. It means that you're not behind the right boat. It means that you've not chosen to tether your life to Jesus and to let him be the source of power and direction for your life all of your days. 
When Jesus was saying that I came to seek and to save the lost, and he's referring to Zacchaeus, what he's saying is, Zacchaeus, he's in the same house where he was before. He's in the same moment. He's with the same people. But you know what? He's not in the same place anymore. He's now in the family of God. He's exactly where he's supposed to be. Zacchaeus was saved. His life was now tethered to Jesus. My question is, is yours? All throughout this sermon, looking at all these props, all the verses that we've read, right? We're really asking you one simple question. Is your life tethered to Jesus? And if your life is tethered to Jesus, are you a person that has an unhealthy pattern of putting it down and picking it up and putting it down and picking up. Maybe today for you is not tethering your life to Jesus for the first time like it was for Zacchaeus. Maybe for you, today is about you deciding, I'm gonna hold on to this thing for the rest of my life and I'm never gonna let go, not ever again. And the other question that you should be asking yourself is are there people around you who are just as lost as one day you used to be and you're supposed to be a sycamore tree for them. Is your life a witness that's pointing? Is Jesus easier to find because of you? In your job, in your family, in your neighborhood, and in your church. I'm going to invite the band to come back up. going to finish with these three questions here just to give you a little homework. One thing I need to stop doing, one thing I need to start doing, and one person that needs to hear my story. One thing I need to stop doing, one thing I need to start doing, and one person that needs to hear my story. We need to think about that for a minute. If, if you've chosen to pick this up. If, if you've chosen to say, I want my life to be tethered to Jesus all the rest of my life, is there anything in your life that's not supposed to be there? Maybe, maybe you're riding along with Jesus like this because you're holding on to something else that doesn't belong in your hand. An attitude, a moment of unforgiveness, a practice, a habit, an addiction, something that, that you know is unhealthy, something that you know God is saying to you. Maybe it's what you heard Jesus say to you going back to that worship moment where he was standing in front of you. Maybe it was something that he said to you, how about it's time we put that down? Right? So you can get both hands firmly on this grip. Maybe it's something that you need to pick up. Maybe it's something in your life that Jesus has been talking to you that you need to start doing that needs to become more of an active part of your life. Because you're tethered to him, right? Part of this means that we're not just letting him determine our direction. It means that we're following his example. Is there something about the example of the life of Christ that's missing in you? And you're saying, you know what? I need to add that in. I want to become more like Jesus in that one area of my life. And then this third question, is there somebody that God would put on your heart to say, you're in their life because you're supposed to be their sycamore tree? Doesn't mean that you got to thump them over the head with the Bible. 
doesn't mean that you're going to strong arm them. It just means that something about your life, the way that you live, that you're believing and trusting that God's going to open a door for you to be a sycamore tree. You're going to be able to point them to Jesus. You're going to be able to step into their story, that your story is going to step into their story so that they can find Jesus, just like you and I have. Stand with me. Father, I pray that as we sing this song together that that people are going to have a sense just once again, Jesus, of you standing with them in their story. Standing with them in their story. They're going to feel your presence. They're going to hear your whisper. They're going to feel the touch of your hand on their shoulder. Maybe there's some people that are watching from on home right now and they feel that tug in their heart. I pray that they would hit that button on that screen that sends them into a private chat room to talk with one of our hosts. I pray that people would not let this moment pass them by. I pray that we would not be the unstory of Zacchaeus in Luke 19. I pray that we would not be the person Jesus says to you, that, that's okay. I got things to do today, maybe next time. For every person in this moment that feels as though, Jesus, that you're standing in front of them, that their only response to you is going to be yes. In Jesus' name.